Policy Research Associates is committed to the well-being and wellness of individuals with behavioral health conditions. To help spread information about the importance of the eight dimensions of wellness and recovery, we created a podcast series to address each pillar of wellness. In this podcast, you'll hear from Dr. Crystal Lee Brando, a Senior Project Associate at PRA, and Betty Vreeland as they talk about the importance of emotional wellness. Betty has her Master's of Science in Nursing and is an Advanced Practice Registered Nurse. She's also a registered yoga teacher and practices yoga and meditation herself on a regular basis. On this podcast, Dr. Brando questions Ms. Vreeland to get down to the basics of mindfulness. Ms. Vreeland details topics like mindfulness-based cognitive therapy for adults with mental health conditions and the connection between mindfulness and physical wellness. To learn more about PRA's work on well-being and wellness, contact us at wellbeing at prainc.com. Hi, this is Crystal. I'm thrilled to be here today with Betty Vreeland. Uh, We're going to be talking about mindfulness, and we have a lot to cover. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Betty, to get us started off, there are probably a lot of people listening to this podcast that have been practicing mindfulness for a while, um, but there's also going to be people on the other end who've never even really heard of mindfulness before. For those listeners, how would you define mindfulness? Well, mindfulness has become somewhat of a buzzword recently. Defining it is not as simple as it sounds. If you look in one book or you talk to one expert, you get one definition. If you look in a different book or talk to another expert, you'll find another. Mindfulness is kind of like a rainbow with different people seeing it from different perspectives. There are certain commonalities that are really important. One of the key aspects of mindfulness is the sense of present moment awareness. I like John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness. Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. The popular mindfulness movement was initiated by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn. John Kabat-Zinn, if you haven't heard of him, is a famous teacher of mindfulness meditation and the founder of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. Mindfulness is probably easiest to understand if you think of its opposite, mindlessness. Mindlessness, when our minds are on autopilot, we don't listen properly, we keep forgetting to do things, we're not attending to or focusing on the people and the things around us. For instance, how many of us have driven from one place to another and we don't remember how we get there? That's really scary and dangerous to be that inattentive. Perhaps our mind is caught up daydreaming, thinking about the past, or worrying about the future. Some mindfulness experts say that we miss about 90% of our lives because we're so caught up thinking about the past or worrying about the future. Our lives are passing us by because we're not really present and paying attention to the here and now. The modern way of life has become so busy that we're becoming human doings rather than human beings. We need to remember how to be, how to be present. But our lives don't have to pass us by. Mindfulness is the awareness that emerges when you make a decision to train your mind to check in more often to be here and now. I truly believe, Crystal, that mindfulness has the power to transform our lives and our world. That's fantastic, Betty. Thank you so much for explaining that to our listeners. Um, Something else that I think people might be interested in 
is how mindfulness may differ from religion. Um, some people may have expressed concerns or heard that mindfulness is a religion or it's just a fad or it's not science-based. Can you speak to these concerns that our listeners might have and these hesitancies to practicing mindfulness? Of course, I'd be glad to. I've heard those concerns from a lot of people. And while mindfulness has its origins in contemplative practices that go way back thousands of years, um, including Buddhism, Hinduism, and Taoism, the mindfulness that is taught today in hospitals, clinics, school, military bases, and corporations is based primarily on mindfulness-based stress reduction, or MBSR which was developed by John Kabat-Zinn, who I mentioned earlier, in the late 70s. He created mindfulness-based stress reduction to treat people who suffered from chronic pain that hadn't responded to traditional treatments. Mindfulness has now become a core component of many mental health therapies, including mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and dialectical behavior therapy. Research also suggests that mindfulness-based stress reduction can reduce symptoms associated with stress, anxiety, and depression, and can also increase self-esteem and improve general mental health functioning. Mindfulness-based stress reduction and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy are both listed in SAMHSA's National Registry of Evidence-Based Practices and Programs. The mindfulness practice we're talking about today can be as simple as taking a few deep breaths before an important meeting or bringing our full awareness to a moment spent with our loved ones. Basic meditation practices such as the body scan, breath awareness, and gentle yoga and movement exercises are completely secular. They are essentially teaching life skills for coping with life. Mindfulness is becoming so mainstream today that corporations like Google and General Mills teach mindfulness classes to their employees and incorporate meditation into the workday. That's really impressive, Betty, and it sounds like there's such great science behind mindfulness. Uh, it seems like there's really evidence that mindfulness can improve the lives of people living with behavioral health challenges, and this is really a great approach to focusing on emotional wellness. Uh, given all the science and research behind mindfulness, do you think mindfulness can actually be used instead of therapy or medication for people living in recovery? No, Crystal, I wouldn't say that. If someone has mental health issues, mindfulness should not be used instead of therapy or medication, just like it should not be used instead of medication to treat high blood pressure. However, mindfulness interventions and practices can support recovery from mental health issues. It can foster resilience, help improve physical health indicators such as blood pressure. Mindfulness-based cognitive therapy supports adults with serious mental illness and may help facilitate the successful tapering of antidepressant medication. Although this should only be done under the supervision of a qualified mindfulness-based cognitive therapy practitioner and in collaborating with the psychiatric prescriber. So if someone has an illness such as hypertension or depression, they should speak with their healthcare professional about how mindfulness may be able to help but not stop their regular treatment. Okay, that makes perfect sense, and thank you for sharing that. Um, now that our listeners know what mindfulness is and has a sense of the science and evidence behind it, can you share some of the ways that mindfulness actually helps people? Yes, there are so many ways that mindfulness can impact our lives, our health, and our well-being. Mindfulness practices help us to respond reflectively to situations instead of reacting to them based on conditioned habits or, re or reflexes. 
Mindfulness training helps us to re-engage with moment-to-moment living. So we're present in our lives, which may also help us to deepen and improve our relationships. Dan Harris, who is a famous TV personality, has written a book about how meditation helped him. And he says that mindfulness, quote, the ability to know what's happening in your head without being carried away by it, and that meditation can reduce stress and help us deal with stress more effectively and be overall happier. There's actually evidence that mindfulness can help reduce chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, and self-harming behaviors and overall improve the quality of our lives. Mindfulness may help people cope with cravings. It can also help regulate sleep and eating habits. Mindfulness can support recovery and foster resilience. In addition, our emotional and physical wellness is interrelated. For instance, we can learn to be more mindful of how and what we eat and how physically active we are and make healthier lifestyle choices. This in turn can lead to an improvement in our overall physical health. We'll explore this in greater detail later. I think these are great points and they really will shed light uh, for our listeners on how mindfulness can actually improve lives as well as how the eight dimensions of wellness are all connected. So we see that something like mindfulness can support emotional wellness, but like you just mentioned, we can see improvements in physical health and physical wellness as well. So this is fantastic information and thank you for sharing. Um, I do want to hone in a little bit more on this idea of mindfulness. You mentioned earlier that there are several key aspects of mindfulness. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about these? Yes. Mindfulness has three different aspects that operate together to bring about a state of mindful awareness. These three key aspects are one, paying attention, two, on purpose or your intention, and three, in a particular way, which is your attitude. Your intention or your purpose is what you hope to get from practicing mindfulness. You might want to discover your true nature, or you might want to improve your relationships, or you might want to reduce stress, such as the stress someone experiences when they're homeless, has lost a job, or just day-to-day stress. Or your intention may be to use mindfulness to help cope with cravings or improve your mood. So once you know your intention, which could change over time, you cultivate your attention. Mindfulness is about paying attention to your inner and outer experience. Your mindful attention is mainly cultivated through different types of meditation practices, either formal or informal. For instance, when talking, driving, walking, or eating, for example. The third key feature of mindfulness is attitude. Mindfulness involves paying attention in a particular way, paying attention to certain attitudes. Okay, Um, so if mindfulness involves paying attention to certain attitudes, What are those attitudes that are needed to nurture mindfulness? I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand what that attitude is that can help them flourish in this area. Well, Crystal, your attitude to life can make all the difference in so many things, and our attitude in cultivating mindfulness is no exception. Dr. Kabat-Zinn teaches that there are seven fundamental attitudes, including one, not judging, observing whatever you're experiencing as it is, rather than classifying it into good or bad, like or dislike. When you begin to practice guided meditations, notice how frequently judgments of various kinds arise. And there's no need to judge the judging or try to change it. Just seeing it is enough. Two, patience. We're always trying to get someplace else. 
to be on the way to a better time, a better place. But this prevents us from being where and when we are. Change takes time. Foster your capacity to be patient. Three, beginner's mind. Nurture your sense of being a beginner rather than an expert. In the beginner's mind, there are so many possibilities, and in the expert's mind, there's few. Think about the beauty and joy of young children as they see the world and try and see the world through those eyes. A fourth attitude is trust. Have confidence in the practice of mindfulness and in your inner self to guide you. Trust that things unfold in their own time and that we don't have to fix everything. Five, non-striving. Allow yourself to experience whatever your experience is rather than creating a goal for some other event and then striving to attain that different experience. When we are involved in the present moment during a formal meditation practice, there really is no place to go, nothing to do, nothing to attain. Six, acceptance. Mindfulness is about accepting how you feel right now, accepting things as they are rather than denying it. Acceptance first, change comes later. Acceptance has nothing to do with passive resignation. If you don't see things as they really are and accept it, you won't know how to act or respond in the next moments. And the last foundational attitude of mindfulness practice is seven, letting go, which means trying not to hold on to pleasant experiences and pushing away unpleasant ones. Letting go is similar to non-attachment, non-attachment to the outcome. When we, we purposefully cultivate an attitude of letting things be as they are, we are embracing the whole of reality in a new way. And in addition to the seven fundamental attitudes, there are others including gratitude, kindness, compassion, joy, generosity, and forgiveness. And these develop through the cultivation of the seven fundamental attitudes. Thank you so much, Betty. I really think explaining these seven fundamental attitudes will definitely help people um, understand the types of attitudes that are needed to nurture mindfulness. And I also think it'll help people pay attention to their own ways of being to become more aware of their own attitudes. So this is fantastic information. Um, so let's say we have a listener who feels as though they're embodying um, these seven fundamental attitudes. What's next? How does this person actually practice mindfulness? Well, Crystal, mindfulness is all about cultivating awareness. It can be nurtured by paying attention in a sustained and particular way, on purpose, in the present moment and non-judgmentally. To cultivate this present moment awareness, we pay attention on purpose with an attitude of kindness to ourselves and others. For a person to cultivate awareness, one must engage in an ongoing practice. There are two complementary ways of doing this formally and informally, or day-to-day -day mindfulness practices. Formal mindfulness practices include the body scan, sitting meditation, and mindful movement. To deepen your mindful awareness, it's recommended that you practice a formal meditation practice on a daily basis. If someone is new to meditation, I suggest that you begin with five to 10 minutes a day and gradually increase it to 20 or 30 minutes. I'll briefly review three different types of formal mindful meditation practices. The body scan meditation. 
This meditation involves spending about half an hour or so becoming aware of each part of your body from the tips of your toes to the top of your head in a mindful way. This meditation is usually practiced lying down. There are many good guided body scan meditations available. For example, YouTube has body scan meditations from experts including John Kabat-Zinn and others. Mindful movement. You don't need to be physically still to practice meditation. Taking time to do some yoga or stretching in mindful ways is a powerful way of developing your capacity to be mindful while at the same time becoming stronger and more flexible. Mindful yoga is different though than many traditional yoga practices in that there is less of a focus on the exact posture achieved and the focus is on the mind-body awareness. Walking meditation is another type of mindful moment. Sitting meditation. This involves being mindful of your chosen object of attention while in a sitting posture. You can be mindful of your breath, your body, sounds, thoughts, emotions, or practice choiceless awareness. Most people start with using their breath as an anchor for their awareness. In fact, for those listeners who want to engage in a brief practice, let's practice right now. Become comfortable in your chair, sitting with a relaxed but straight erect posture. Find a position so that you will not become drowsy, but that is balanced, not straining. Maintaining a straight upright posture and not relying on the chair's backrest. And that way you will become more likely to remain awake and alert. Allow your hands to rest comfortably in your lap. Loosen any tight clothing that may restrict your stomach. Gently close your eyes if you're comfortable or lower your gaze down toward the floor. Simply allow your body to become still. Allow your shoulders, chest, and stomach to relax. Focus your mind on the feeling of your breathing. Begin by taking two or three deeper breaths from your diaphragm, letting the air flow all the way into your stomach without any push or strain, and then flow gently back out again. Repeat these two or three deep breaths, noticing an increased sense of calm and relaxation as you breathe in the clean, fresh air and breathe out any sense of tension or stress.
Now let your breathing find its own natural, comfortable rhythm and depth. Focus your attention on the feeling of your breath as it comes in at the tip of your nose, moves through the back of your throat, into your lower diaphragm and back out again, letting your stomach rise and fall naturally with each breath. Place your attention to the feeling of the breath at the tip of your nose. You may notice that the breath is cooler coming in, warmer flowing out. Allow your attention to be focused on your breath and away from the noise, the thoughts, the feelings, the concerns that may usually fill your mind. As you gently breathe, become aware of where along the course of the breath, you can most easily hold a feeling of gentle awareness of your breath. It may be at the tip of your nose or at the back of your throat, in your chest, or with a gentle rise and fall of your stomach. Let your attention rest gently at that point as you continue to watch your breath. Continue to follow your breath, the beginning, middle, and end of the inhale, and the beginning, middle, and end of the exhale. As you continue, you'll notice that the mind will become caught up with thoughts and feelings. It may become attached to noises or to bodily sensations. You may find yourself remembering something from your past, thinking about the future. This is to be expected. This is the nature of the mind.
When you notice this, without self-judgment, simply observe the process of the mind. Then return your attention to the breath. Simply ride with the flow of the breath, feeling it move in and out, in and out, freely shifting with a gentle, natural rhythm. As you notice your mind wandering off, there's no need to be critical of yourself. Understand that this is the nature of the mind, to become attached to daily concerns, to become attached to feelings, memories. Simply notice this has happened, then let go of these thoughts. Simply watch as they drift by as clouds blown by a breeze and return your attention to your breathing. If it becomes very difficult to not get caught up in thoughts, let your mind gently count forwards from one to 10 with each breath and then begin again. When your mind is quieter, again, let it rest only on the feeling and experience of the breath or on whatever thoughts gently flow into your mind. There's no need to push away thoughts, irritation, discomfort out of your mind. Simply be patient with yourself and with your body. Notice the experience of the busy mind. Notice the emotional ups and downs or boredom. Then let go of whatever tries to capture your attention and return your attention back to the breath, letting it carry you into a place of relaxed attention and mindfulness.
And now bring your attention back into the space of your body and into the space of your room. Begin to move around gently in the space of your chair. And when you're ready, open your eyes and gently stretch. So, how was it? You may have noticed that you felt very relaxed and comfortable, or you might have experienced intrusive or uncomfortable thoughts. Some of you may have even dozed off. More commonly, some people report they couldn't keep their minds from racing. People often report this with a tone of failure as if they think they're meditating wrong. However, that's not the case. Being distracted by thoughts, feelings, and sensations doesn't mean that someone's meditating wrong. Rather, meditation is the process of having stuff come up, noticing it, then letting it go and returning to the breath without self-criticism. I recommend that people try more than one type of formal mindful meditation practice. I utilize all of them at different times depending upon what I feel I need or want to do. It's also helpful to have a meditation teacher. That's excellent, Betty. Uh, before I move on to the next question, I just want to take a moment to thank you for walking through that and guiding our listeners through that mindful meditation experience. I think that for those listeners who are new to mindfulness or even those who are familiar with mindfulness meditation would benefit from that. Um, so thank you for taking that time. And it's something that people can always revisit. They can always turn back to this podcast and listen to that and uh, experience that with you if they ever want to anchor their awareness. And that's something that can be done on a daily basis. And this actually transitions into the next question that I have for you, um, because that experience is something that people probably can engage in every day. They can add it to their daily wellness routines and habits. Um, but I've also heard that certain meditation practices are best for people to use during difficult or stressful times. Can you share an example of something like that with the audience? Sure, Crystal, I'd be happy to. Um, if someone's feeling really stressed or overwhelmed, try to remember the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. The acronym RAIN was first coined about 20 years ago by Michelle McDonald, and it's an easy to remember tool for practicing mindfulness. It has four steps to stop being so hard on ourselves. The R is for recognize. Recognize what's going on. Recognizing means consciously acknowledging in any given moment the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are affecting us. The A is for allow. Allow the experience to be there, just as it is. Taking a life-giving pause. Allowing means letting the thoughts, emotions, feelings, or sensations we have recognized simply be there. Typically, when we have an unpleasant experience, we react in one of three ways. By piling on the judgment, by numbing ourselves to our feelings, or by focusing our attention elsewhere. The I is for investigate. Investigate with kindness. Now that you've recognized and allowed this emotion, you can choose to investigate it. You can mentally inquire with questions like, why do I feel this way? With this process of investigation, we can also choose a conscious response to foster a more meaningful life. 
The N stands for non-identification. In the end step of RAIN, you turn your attention to the simple realization that you are not your mind, nor are you your emotions. This practice of non-identification means that our sense of who we are is not fused with any limiting emotions, sensations, or stories. You are the awareness that is always there underneath every thought, emotion, and sense or perception. You can use this RAIN method anytime that you're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, or out of touch. Again, Betty, this is incredibly useful information. Um, this acronym is very easy to remember, and I think that it can help our listeners really incorporate mindfulness um, in times of stress or in times where they might be overwhelmed or feeling disconnected. Um, so going back to the idea of day-to-day practices, you mentioned that there are some day-to-day informal mindfulness practices that people can try on. Uh, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about that? Sure, I'd be happy to. Mindfulness is not simply a practice. It's a way of being. It's a way of living our lives as if they really mattered. Mindfulness is about integrating awareness into everything we do in our lives. It can be a challenge in the beginning to remember to be awake in the middle of it all. So deliberate informal practice of mindfulness can be a great daily practice to help bridge the gap between formal practice and daily life. Here's what to do. Choose one routine thing that you do every day and make that activity into your chosen mindfulness practice. It might be something as simple as brushing your teeth, taking a shower, or really being present when we say goodbye or greeting our loved ones each day. It might be helpful to put a little sign or symbol or reminder at the site of your chosen activity so that you remember to move with mindfulness. That makes perfect sense, and I really like how you pointed out, um, Betty, that mindfulness isn't just a practice, right? That it's something that we're incorporating into day-to-day lives and ways of being so that, like these examples you mentioned, even brushing your teeth is something that's done with mindfulness and care. Um, I think that's great for the listeners to hear and perhaps for some people a new way to even look at mindfulness. So with those things in mind, um, even though it's not simply a practice, if there was only one mindfulness practice or let's say tool that you would encourage people to adopt, uh, what would that be? Well, Crystal, if there was only one mindfulness practice I could get people to adopt, it would be mindful listening. We have so many opportunities every single day to do it. If you could master that one method, it could radically transform your whole life from inside out. When listening to another person, we're often there in body, but we're not fully present with them. We're not truly listening. Instead, we're caught up in our own mind chatter. We may be judging what they're saying, mentally agreeing or disagreeing, or we might be thinking about what we want to say next. Next time you're with a loved one or a colleague, a friend, use your time as an exercise in mindfulness. Don't just hear their words, really listen to what they're saying. Focus all your attention on the other person. Give them space to be heard. For instance, if it's a friend, aim compassionately to listen with open-hearted awareness rather than trying to give them advice or prove your point. You'll be amazed at the power of listening. It's an act of love and kindness. People really appreciate it when you truly listen to them. And as an added extra perk, you'll also find that they'll listen to you more fully when you speak. 
And imagine what the world may be like if we listened open-mindedly and compassionately to one another. This is absolutely wonderful, Betty. Thank you so much. Um, Before we end today's discussion, we might have people on the line who are interested in learning more about mindfulness. Can you provide these listeners with a few resources that they can turn to if they are interested in learning more? Of course, I'd be happy to. Well, there are so many great resources out there. To mention a few, Full Catastrophe Living and Mindfulness for Beginners by John Kabat-Zinn. And I also really like the Mindfulness for Dummies book. You can also check out their website at www.facebook.com slash mindfulness for dummies. There are also a number of resources. Google the Insight Meditation Society and connect with Mrs. Mindfulness on Facebook. I'd also encourage people to look for an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction course in their area. Many times there are free introductions to the courses and you could check one out. I've also found a number of excellent free meditation videos on places like YouTube from many experts including John Kabat-Zinn, Jack Kornfeld, and others. And I'd really like to thank all of the listeners so much for tuning in with us today. Thank you. And Betty, thank you once again for joining us today. Um, As we mentioned, we're very lucky to have Betty Vreeland here speaking with us about mindfulness. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, we hope you check back because we'll discuss mindfulness again with Betty on another podcast where we'll specifically look at the idea of mindful eating. So if you enjoyed the talk today, please check back and learn more. So this is fantastic information and thank you for sharing. 